It is the Chicagoverse Unlimited podcast, featuring interviews with the premier artists and industry in the Chicago music community. My name is Haima Black. I host this podcast at DynastyPodcast.com. This week, Harold Green. Here's how that sounds. Haima Black, here for Dynasty Podcast, and I'm here with Chicago poet and author Harold Green. How are you doing, sir? I'm awesome. I'm awesome, Jaime. How you do? I'm very well, man. Very well. So this is our first time meeting. I'm really happy that we were able to do this. Uh, thank you so much for taking some time tonight. I really appreciate it. Man, I appreciate you. I appreciate being here. Absolutely. So we are here to talk about a new book that you just had published. It's called From Inglewood with Love, and it is a book of poetry that you know centers around and dips into very vividly kind of your life growing up in the Inglewood neighborhood in Chicago. Is that kind of a fair assessment of all of it? Oh, that's that's dead on. That's exactly that's exactly what it is, you know. Uh, and I would also add that it's coupled with uh, photography from my good friend from St. Louis, uh, Adrian Walker, Adrian Octavius Walker. He's amazing. So that's what the imagery and things like that come from. So that's that was a dead on description. Yeah, I mean, so obviously we're going to talk about the poetry. Let's talk about the the imagery for just a moment, though, since you brought it up. Before you even start reading, you know, uh, you. You start looking at the book, you start looking at the pages, and the imagery is just so vivid and so large and, and so, you know, it's such a large part of the book. It feels like it's equal part poetry book and imagery book. Was that kind of the intention? That was definitely the intention. Uh, when me and Adrian first spoke about the project, uh, I made it very clear that I wanted this to be just as appealing on the imagery side as it is on the wording. So uh, once we got the images all laid out, uh, my creative director out of Atlanta, Jordan Powell, she did an amazing job just taking everything that I had in my mind and just putting it right down onto the page and creating such a beautiful layout for this book. So did you have these images in mind already? Were you like, I want to hit this location, this street corner, this business, or was it your photographer, you know, driving around being like, you know what, we could put that in here? Kind of how did that happen? You know, it was crazy. The, the initial thought was... Hey, Adrian, I want you, because he travels a lot with his photography and his, and his craft, and I told him, like, hey, I want you, wherever you go throughout, you know, this summer and, you know, the preceding months, I want you to just catch imagery, and I wanted to be able to show how Inglewood is nationwide and, you know, eventually worldwide. Every, every hood, every city, every state has an Inglewood, and I want this to be able to be encapsulated within this book. But then it ended up turning into a very centralized um, capturing where he just made a couple of trips out to Chicago specifically and he's very strategic he's not one of those photographers that takes like 500 photos and we just pick the best ones he's very like this is the shot this is the shot I want this is the shot I'm going to take and it ended up being very very uh, divine in my opinion because a lot of them I didn't tell him anything like he got to see the transcript before the book was out and stuff but a lot of the photos he just took and ended up matching up later on. And some of them, a few of them, he took in St. Louis. And surprisingly, you know what I'm saying, they just end up, you know, linking up. So it was serendipity in my opinion. So, you know, I want to talk about the book. I want to talk about your poetry. I want to talk about how all this happened. So let's get a little bit of background to kind of start that conversation. You know, tell us about yourself, your work as an author. How did you kind of start in the poetry band? I think it's covered a little bit in your writing. You know, it sounds like it happened with your father, but kind of, what was the impetus for this happening, you know, early on for you? Uh, it's very interesting because when I was a child, um, 
I didn't, I was, my parents and my, you know, my grandmother, that's, that's the, house, the house on the front of the uh, cover. That's, that's the, two, the two flat that we lived in. They were very, very instrumental in making sure that my sister and I were academically inclined. So uh, we were exposed to everything and just made sure that we just, you know, had a very good academic foundation. And my father, he would write my sister and I poems. And when I was younger, I didn't really pay it any mind. Like, I thought it was cool and it was nice, you know, but he had very bad penmanship. <laughs> you, you call it like uh, chicken scratch. Yeah. It sounds like you're reading like a doctor's note, and you get home from the doctor, and you're like, "What? How much of what am I supposed to take?" Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly how it was. And you, what, the only thing I could really remember was that he kept on calling my sister and I prince and princesses, and I was just like, "Man, that's okay. I can make that part out. You know what I'm saying? That makes a lot of sense." And I like a lot of young boys on the south side of Chicago. I, you know, started rapping and started, you know, putting lyrics together and things of that nature. And and um, it really turned into poetry, poetry when I was 18. I was, uh, I was a little too, I was working at, uh, I believe, Musicland at the time, and I didn't have enough money to, you know, buy my parents or my sister any gifts for Christmas. And I was like, eh, I can write, you know. So I went ahead and wrote them some poems, and my sister and my parents thought it was amazing. And my sister kept pushing me, like, Harold, you got to write. It's a, it's a poetry ministry at the church. You need to go ahead and perform, and you good. You can do this, you know. And... It just kind of blew up from there, you know, so. If you hadn't had their encouragement, if your sister, if your family hadn't been pushing you, do you think it's something you would have moved into eventually anyway? Or was it really one of these things where because you had the encouragement, that's what got you to this point? The encouragement is everything. That's really what, that's really the premise of the book. Like, I made it from Inglewood with love. You know what I'm saying? It'd be times where, you know, we're sitting in the front room and, you know, somebody has thrown a brick through the window just because we live in Inglewood or some, you know, we pull up every day outside the house because I two flat was centralized in the middle of the uh, block. It'd be a fight right there in the middle. You know what I'm saying? It's just those little nuances. I was able to, you know, leap over those hurdles because of the love that I was surrounded by. So I was used to that type of nurturing, a type of support as a child. Like, you can do it. You can do it. Just keep on going. So I don't, I don't necessarily know if it's something that would have possibly happened, but I know for a fact that that support and that encouragement was something that I was so used to. So in my mind, if they say I can do it, I can do it, you know? Now, you know, let's talk about Inglewood for a second because obviously there's this notorious connotation. Right. There's people's perception of it, you know, and people have very varying perceptions of anything that is labeled as South Side. I live in Bridgeport. Right. And people think, they're like, are you going to get shot? And I'm like, <laughs> but no, like I'm not. You know, but, but being from Inglewood, growing up in Inglewood, and now with, with Chirac, with all the connotations, everything that comes with it, how do you view that? Do you want to tell people, or do you hear that and think like, it's not all like that, or kind of, you know, outside of your poetry, what's your stance on all those kind of things? Um, I really think that um, with the proper, with the proper resources, with the proper mindset, with the proper encouragement and motivation, anywhere and anybody can flourish. You know, I think that's a lot of times what happens is people's perception of a certain area or neighborhood turns so vile and disgusted that they turn their backs in those type of situations and people feel that you know what I'm saying they, they without even being said you can feel that type of energy and it ends up reflecting on the people that come from those type of neighborhoods when you see a certain neighborhood like a Hyde Park or a Bronzeville or somewhere that is established and makes it feel like it's more inviting or welcoming people feel that and they, they feel a certain pride about who they are and how they represent and how they even clean their neighborhoods you know what I'm saying so I 
I think that me knowing that people like me, and I'm not the only one, but people like myself who have come from neighborhoods like that, it means that if you, if you give a little encouragement, if you give a little motivation, give some resources, you can flourish from wherever you come from, you know? Well, I mean, that's a story that I think it's, you know, it's really important to stress that, and I think that that comes through in the book because you're right, like, it doesn't matter where you come from, you know, there are people, I mean, R. Kelly came from a subway station. Right. That's where he was discovered, right. and the encouragement does make all the, all the difference in the world because, yeah, like, if, if you're growing up in Inglewood, I would imagine, and you are able to sense people's perceptions, I'm sure for some people it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where it's right. like, oh, if I'm from this neighborhood, I guess this is what I'm just born into. Exactly. And, that, and you know, that's one of the biggest things that, because I, I deal with youth a lot, um, even when I'm performing out of state and things of that nature, like, I'd rather go to somebody's school than go to a club. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just, you know, what I like to do because that's that's what I come from, you know? So when I talk to youth here and I, and I deal with, you know, juvenile correctional facilities and uh, alternative schools and things of that nature, I love dealing with that because because they never, uh, most times, they don't get to see someone who looks like them, someone who came from a you know, situation like they did, and tell them, like, yo, that's not cool. That's not what's happening. You're not just a degenerate. You're not just someone who's not going to have a chance. You have plenty, plenty of resources inside of you. It's time for you to dig them out. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's very important no matter who you are, where you come from, for somebody at one point in time to look at you and say, you can do it if you want to. I mean, even for me, you know, and I, I come from a different background where, you know, but I, I was really eager in my life to, like, at, like, 15, to go start working in media. Right. Like, everybody else wanted to go get drunk at, right. you know, house parties. <laughs> I wanted to do internships, and I, I pursued it, pursued it, pursued it. I was able to go do that. I was very fortunate that I had a lot of good mentors kind of in my high school and college years. And now in my early 30s, I teach at Columbia College. You know, it was kind of the same idea. I wanted to go tell other young students, like, empower them, tell them, like, you can work for yourself, you can go make something right now. It's that same idea, and I think that that holds a lot of power, because I know it did for me. Yeah, that, it definitely does, man, because, you know, and, and everything isn't for everybody. I think that you are very impactful going to speak to a student who may be on that on that edge of, like, ah, should I, should I go into journalism? Should I go into this? And for you to be like, yo, look, look at what I have done. You know, the first music podcast in Chicago, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching at Columbia. Those experiences and showing that type of success is very important for, for a young boy who might want to rap or a young boy who might be into poetry or something like that. And then to see me, you know, tattoos on my hand, beard on my face, looking how I look and to say, hey, look, I wrote a book. You know what I'm saying? Like people pay me to come all across this country to speak. You know what I'm saying? Like that is like, they eyes light up. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, this isn't just a, a myth, a fable, a fairy tale. You know what I'm saying? Like, these are real life, tangible, existing success stories that I can grab, I can see, and I can hold. You know what I'm saying? So I think that it's very important that people who have success in their certain sectors make sure that they reach back and let those who are looking to go into them, yeah, you can do it. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, so we're, we're kind of weaving in and out of the story. So you start, you know, you're going to... Oh, the, the church, the youth center, you know, doing, doing the poetry, starting out, kind of what was the next step, you know, uh, how did you get from there to the point where you're able to publish a book? Because I know that that doesn't happen without a lot of work, without a lot of direction, without a lot of, of guidance and determination. Right. The, uh, I, I think the next biggest step happened with me going to uh, HBCU. I was, you know, trying to get, you know, I 
woke up senior year like, ah, I do want to go to a four-year, so let me go ahead. At one point, I was like, yo, I'm going to be a garbage man. They make nice money, I don't, whatever, you know what I'm saying? But I was like, let me go to a four-year. So I ended up getting into Grambling State University, and, you know, Grambling had, like, a representative from each of the 50 states. So in my mind, I was like, okay, if I can, if I can relate to all these different diverse individuals then I might really have something here. Cause you know, you go to a you go to a church and perform on a Sunday, everybody clapping if it's positive. You know what I'm saying? Right. But if you're in front of your peers and they coming from all across the United States of America and you saying something and it's making them really feel a type of way, you're doing something. And I think at that moment my eyes really opened up like, oh, I got something here. And I started, you know, uh, really cultivating and curating a, a, a culture down there and it turned into something that I never would have imagined to the point where I'm able to you know open up for the big artists to come to the school I got a you know a weekly open mic that you know is packed out and that's not that's not necessarily something that you would see on a college campus per se when everybody kind of want to you know just do their thing you know turn up and do all that type of stuff <laughs> you know what I'm saying and then yeah. you know I was able to pack out like the 2000 plus seating auditorium for like homecomings and spirit week and stuff like that so at that moment I was like oh I have something here let me continue with this and and how it maturated into a full-fledged um book and things of that because you know I've put out a lot of you know music projects and a lot of you know spoken word projects and stuff like that but the literary part it really came because I've built a very solid team around me. You know what I'm saying? I have, a, I have a great manager, my manager, XL, who's been with me, you know, forever. Um, and then, you know, I have my creative director, like I said, George. She's a, she's a huge reason why this book came to be. Like, she did, you know, all of the research. And, you know, so we seeked out the best company, you know, did the layout, made sure that everything was, you know, she's one of those perfectionists. So, you know, if a period was out of place or, if, you know what I'm saying, anything like that. So, you know, it, it was, it's really important, you know, then Adrian, as far as being the photographer and just having a solid team around me is really what made this book come into fruition. Well, you know, and again, like, I don't want to stress too much on just the visuals because I know we're talking about yeah. the written part, but what you're telling me, the, the visual element of this book, it is a gorgeous, gorgeous book yeah. aside from the written content, which is also very impactful, very powerful. But, you know, if anybody, like, goes on your website or, or orders the book, you know, and we'll, we'll make sure before the podcast over that we tell people how to do that. It is a gorgeous book, the typography, the layout, the photography. So so when, you know, with these poems that are in here, kind of how far back do some of these go? Were these poems that you had, you know, written over years, or did you really start to cultivate one theme and sit down over like two months and say like, okay, I'm going to write the poems right now that are going to be for the book? That's really kind of what happened. I'm always writing, um, so I never kind of really run out of material. Like, even right now, I have this challenge going on for myself where I got to write a new poem every single day this year. So I'm never, like, you know, uh, in a drought as far as writing goes. So, like, last year, last spring, I was like, I'm about to start on the book. So I kind of started and I started seeing kind of thematics kind of coming across like oh this kind of seems nostalgic this kind of seems like a lot of memory so I kind of stayed along that line and um, this is kind of just the the package that kind of came with it so um, at the end of that I kind of sat on it because I was kind of running into some dead ends and once I ran into Jordan she saw it she thought it was amazing and brilliant and she was like yo no this has to happen we don't have to waste no more time let's make this happen so it was last spring you know couple of months, you know, sat sat down and, you know, really kind of put some stuff together and it kind of came out, themed out, and here we go. So, you know, take us through the step of, you know, for anybody who's listening who maybe thinks like, you know what, 
like I think I could be an MC, I think I could be a poet, I think I could be a writer, I could be a blogger, a journalist, any of these kind of you know creative outlets where you're utilizing words and your thoughts and, and your, your spirit. How do you go from that point, and obviously the team's a big part of it, how do you go from the point where you think you might have something, you have some material, you have some ideas, you have some concepts, to where there's a physical book? Like, are you guys pitching to a publisher? Are you self-publishing? Kind of, what's that step? Um, I, you know, one of the most important uh, pieces of advice that I always give to anybody who's trying to get to the next steps in their career, you got to invest in yourself. A lot of people who came on the board and who are part of the team now and stuff like that, invested because they see how much I invest in myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've never been one to look for handouts. I've never been one to, like, pout about somebody ain't doing this, somebody ain't doing that. I make it happen if I got to make it happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is self-published. This is from Harold Green's pockets. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is... You know, us doing all the research we have to find out who we got to talk to, what we got to do, and then from there, doing the groundwork to make sure it gets into the right hands and, you know, out of the connections that I've made over the years, making sure that they have books and making sure that, you know, the people who want the books to make sure that they get the books. And now I have a new uh, PR, uh, and she's doing an amazing job, and she's, you know, working with some individuals who are going to be shipping it around to uh, publishers and things of that nature. So hopefully, it, you know, it does turn into something even bigger than what it is. I think this is a work of art. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, like the, the typography, the photography, the word, and like, and I told Jordan, I was like, I want the words to look like art too. I don't want it to just sit on the page. You know what I'm saying? So that's a really good description because yeah, yeah when you open the book, and I, I have the PDF, I, I got a you know a review copy sent to me, but I want to get the actual physical book for my coffee table. But when you open it, it you're right, it is all art. And the words themselves are art, but the visual is art as well. Something I want, that really stuck out, and again, there's, there's so much you could pull from the different poems, uh, from the writings, but there's something I think that really, to me, stood out as kind of the crux of everything you're talking about, which is there was power in each phonic. That is in a poem towards the end of the book um, called A Prince on Princeton. And again, there was power in each phonic. To me, what you're telling me, at least from my end, like that could sum up your everything you're telling me. It's like you're writing your words, your thoughts, you know, that's what fueled all of this. That's what moved all this forward. Like you're saying, nothing happened unless you made it happen. Exactly. And I mean, that that is a very, very standout line because I can remember, I'm very passionate. You know, I may come across very, you know, reclusive and kind of, you know, uh, quiet and things of that nature. But like anybody that's ever seen me perform or, you know, seen me talk about my work or my art, they know I'm very passionate about it. And I can remember a time where I was, I was a teenager, maybe like 19 or something like that, coming back from an open mic. And I told this story at my, uh, at the book signing. Uh, I was in the basement saying a poem to like top my lungs and just, you know, just real aggressive. Like my parents came down and thought somebody was attacking me. I'm, you know, I'm crying in my mother's arms, just telling her, you know, I just told her I want God to hear me, you know, I want him to hear me and I want him to make sure that people hear me. And I remember feeling how powerful those words felt to me, you know what I'm saying? And I knew if it felt that real and that genuine to me, I knew that it had to been coming across very genuine. And that's the power in each phonic. Every word, I don't waste words, you know what I'm saying? So if I write it, I mean it, you know what I mean? And I just hope that you feel them. No, I mean, and again, like, I, everything you're saying, you know, it really comes through in the book. I was looking through it. It's, it's about 50 pages, give or take, which is not, it's not a 400, you know, like, page and, like, okay, there's, there's 17 good poems. Right. It's 
there are no wasted words. You have, I, I don't know how many poems in here, but maybe like 25 or so, give or take. It's impactful. You're, you're choosing the ones that work, and you're not wasting any, any words or any ink. No, so, not at all. Um, how can people, you know, well, you know what, before we get to that, kind of, you know, talking about all the power in this, you know, the question I really want to ask, too, is what do you hope people get from the book? What do you hope people take away from it? You know, if it's, if it's the poems, if it's the message, if it's the medium, what would you want, you know, any or all of your audience to come away from this book feeling or thinking? One of the biggest points that I wanted to happen was every person that got this book, I wanted them to feel a different way. That's one of the things I, w I felt like, okay, you did your job. Like, I didn't necessarily want one poem to be the standout poem. I didn't want one thing to be the thing. Like, I didn't want everybody to be like, oh, the photography is amazing. I didn't want everybody to be like, oh, the poet. I wanted somebody, if 15 people were in the room that bought this book, I wanted 15 people to have 15 different things to say about it. You know, that's the type of project I wanted to put out that evoked so much different emotion in so many different people. Like, I wanted, you know, people from all across the board to be able to pick up this book and feel some kind of way about something. You know, I wanted, you know, a, a, a mother to be able to look at Virgin and say, man, I really feel you. I wanted, a, you know, a, a, a young adolescent to look at sign language and be like, man, that happened to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just wanted it to be able to reach across so many different streams and so many different mediums. Well, you know, uh, what's the best way for people to be able to both check out, you know, you and your art and your work online and be able to get a copy of the book, you know, online and or in person? Uh, the best way is heraldandthebeard.com. Everything, all my projects and everything, right there on the site, heraldandthebeard.com. You can order the book off of there. You can check out past works. You can listen to music. You can see photography. Whatever you want to get into as far as I go is right there on the site. And as far as in person, um, I always had a book on me, and I, I have a weekly set um, called Soul Speak that I, I co-host with my homeboy Binky, and um, starting next week, we'll be at the Shrine every Wednesday, um, 8 to midnight. So, you know, whenever you see me, you probably, I'll probably have it on me, you know. Now, is the Shrine set going to be 21 and over? Is yeah. there an all-ages yeah. avenue for people to connect with you, or? Yeah, it's, it's 21 and over at the Shrine on the, on the weekly. Um, but like I said, you know, even for my, my young folk who want to check it out, like, it's right there on the website and stuff like that, so... You know, it's all kind of ways to get at me. Yeah, uh, Harold Green, the website is heraldandthebeard.com. The book, it is, it is gorgeous. It is impactful. I was tearing up when I was reading some of these. Uh, there's a lot happening in this book, and I'm really glad that, that you wrote this, that you published it, and that, you know, people are going to get a chance to read it, and that you're telling a story that, you know, I don't think is getting told out of a neighborhood like Inglewood, where you only hear one type of story. Right. And, you know, as a lifelong Chicagoan, I know that's not all that's happening out of there, but there's a lot of people who don't. They think if you step foot one block past, you know, the South Loop, mm -hmm. that you just, you know, and that's not the case. People know, need to know that there's humanity and love and laughter and life sure. happening in all avenues of our city. So, you know, and at least that's that's my takeaway. Exactly. That's exactly what I want to happen. You know, like, I tell people, the time, man. I'm a, I'm a father. I'm a teacher. I'm a mentor. Like all kind of things that you would never think that would come out of Inglewood. You know what I'm saying? I, I embody all these things, and it's because of the, the love and surrounding and the mindset that I have. You know, your mind is a powerful weapon. You know, you, you, you can choose to, you know, fall to your, to your weaknesses or fall to your stereotypes or whatever. But 
wherever you come from, man, you can you can rise. You know what I'm saying? And that's the biggest point. Well, I think that's a that's a gorgeous message to go out on. Uh, Harold Green, the book again is called From Inglewood with Love. It's a fantastic poetry book. It's a fantastic love letter to Chicago, and it's a, and it's a gorgeous just document as well, just in terms of the book and the visual itself, man. Thank you so much for taking some time and talking, and it's really, I'm really glad we got to do this, man. I really appreciate you, Amy. I appreciate this opportunity. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks. This has been the Chicago First Unlimited podcast. Thanks to Harold Green for being on the show this week. You can find more Dynasty podcasts at dynastypodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty, my name is Haima Black. Dynasty Descend.